بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد صلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا ٹوینٹی نائنتھ آف نومبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ an eminent life of the illustrious company, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu. And I spent quite a few sessions discussing the important question, and that is with regards to the reliability of the narrations of Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu. And I spent the session mentioning yesterday the governor of Al-Madinah Marwan. It is also interesting to note that Sayyidina Abu Huraira would also be seen educating the masses before the arrival of Marwan for the Jummah prayer. In Hakim in his Mustadrak Sahih Zahabi Sahih Hayat al-Sahaba volume 4 page 783 of the New English Translation Asim ibn Muhammad relates from his father Rahmatullah I saw Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu come to the masjid of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi on the day of Jummah, standing and holding the two notches of the pulpit, he said, Abu al-Qasim, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the truthful and veritable, he narrated to us. He then continued to narrate a hadith until he heard the door of the imam's room open as the imam emerged to lead the salah. Abu Huraira radiyallahu then sat down. So, in this Sahih Hadith, Imam Hakim graded it Sahih and Zahabi confirms, the governor of Al-Madinah was of course Marwan. And one of the duties of the governor is that he's the Imam of the Salah. So, Abu Huraira radiyallahu, before Marwan entered for the Jummah, he would do an exhortation to the people. He would encourage them with certain hadiths of the Prophet And then, when the Imam emerged, he would sit down. This thus proves the legitimacy of having a reminder before the obligatory sermon on the day of Friday. I that one now sees in many masjids the world over. So you notice most masjids, they'll do a a reminder maybe in English or Urdu, whatever language. And then afterwards, when they're doing the obligatory sermon, they stand up. And the reason they stand is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in Surah Jummah. So the, you can distinguish between the two because the optional one is when he sits, the Imam. But to be precise, the Sunnah should be that somebody else does the reminder, not the Imam. But having said that, of course, you know, you can look at this report and you can prove this is the case. And this explains, you know, people query. Because what's the point of doing the Jummah Khutbah in Arabic when nobody understands it? Mm-hmm. It's better to do it in your own language. And the response is, you've got a point. Only if you leave this Sunnah of the Sahaba. <laughs> right? So if you do a reminder in your own language before, everybody gets the benefit. And then, of course, the obligatory Arabic Khutbah takes place. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you don't have that initial one at the beginning, 
granted that both of these reminders were in Arabic because the audience were Arabs. So no, this is not an innovation like some fruitcakes make you believe. It goes, what's this? This reminder before the reminder is how many reminders are there? And the response is, don't you think good of the scholars? Go and approach them and say, look, why is there a reminder before the main obligatory khutbah? And the response is, Abu Huraira, is he a reference for you? And where did he do it? He did it in Masjid al-Nabi. You know, the second greatest masjid on the surface of the earth. Did anybody object to this? No. So again, note, this is why the world over many masjids do this. So note, he loved to exhort and enjoin the good. It is also famously related that Marwan had devised an ingenious test with which to test Sayyidina Abu Huraira. In Hakim in his Mustadrak, volume 3, page 510, Sahih, Zahabi, Sahih, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 822 of the New English Translation. Abu Zaiza'a, rahmatullah, the scribe of Marwan, he relates. Marwan once summoned Sayyidina Abu Huraira, radiyallahu, and seating me behind his chair, he started questioning Sayyidina Abu Huraira as I was writing everything down. So picture this here. So Marwan is the governor of Medina. He's got a scribe. His name's Abu Zaiza'a. And he tells his scribe, hide behind me. <laughs> behind my chair, maybe there was a covering as well. And I'm going to start questioning Abu Huraira. Whatever he says, you write it down without his knowledge. After a complete year had passed, Marwan again sent for Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu and seating him behind the screen, he started asking the same questions. Sayyidina Abu Huraira replied to the questions just as he did the previous year, without adding, deleting, or even misplacing a single word. So what was this? This was a test. So Marwan obviously, obviously we, we proved that he trusted Sayyidina Abu Huraira but he was probably highlighting to the people or also maybe to reassure his own heart further to see his phenomenal memory so imagine what he asked him what about this hadith what did the Prophet say about this so imagine how long it was you can imagine but since there's a scribe you can imagine it must have been a lengthy session no point getting a scribe for two or three hadiths so he must have you know how long this, the session was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best after a year Look how amazing. The scribes got all the notes from last year. Mm. Marwan asked the same questions. And Abu Huraira didn't even add a dot or comma more, meaning he narrated exactly what he narrated the previous year. Subhanallah, such was his memorization of the sacred hadith that even his most devoted students would initially hesitate when anybody would relate a hadith on his authority. Now think about this. If anybody knows you best, it's your most devoted students. He had such a knowledge of the hadith that even his most devoted students sometimes found a hadith strange when somebody narrated on his authority. So for instance, in Ahmad in his Musnad, number 7932, Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, volume 2, page 462 to 3 of the English translation, 
Abu Uthman al-Nahdi rahmatullah he said, No other person accompanied Sayyidina Abu Huraira more than I. One year he went to Hajj before me and I found the people of Basra saying that Abu Huraira radiyallahu narrated that he had heard Rasulullah say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards the good deed with even a million deeds. Upon hearing this I said woe to you no person accompanied Abu Huraira more than I I never heard this hadith. So stop in the report. So this was a senior student of Abu Huraira. The proof is in his statement. No other person accompanied Abu Huraira more than I. So he's not one of those who just came, you know, weekend courses. He was with him all the time. But Abu Huraira, that year he had gone to Hajj and this student wasn't with him. So he's catching up and he comes to some people from Basra. So this is from Iraq. And they're narrating a hadith on Abu Huraira's authority. Because we heard Abu Huraira say that the Prophet said, Allah Ta'ala gives the reward of a million for a single good deed. So Abu Uthman al-Nahdi, he warned them. He goes, be careful. He goes, nobody's accompanied Abu Huraira more than me. I've never heard this hadith. He goes, where are you narrating this from? Then upon finding his noble teacher, Abu Uthman inquired, O Abu Huraira, I heard my brothers from Basra claim that you heard Rasulullah say that Allah the Almighty rewards the good deed with a million deeds. Is that true? Sayyidina Abu Huraira responded, Not only this, O Abu Uthman, but by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I have heard Rasulullah say, Sallallahu alayhi wa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards the good deed even with two million good deeds. He then recited the verse and the translation. Little is the enjoyment of the life of this world as compared to the hereafter. So why have I narrated this report? How much hadith did he know? Even his like most devoted students, they didn't hear it. He goes, did you narrate this teacher? So he not only confirmed he narrated it, he mentioned another hadith to him. To say, look, if that's baffled, yeah, let me mention something else. He goes, two million for one good deed. And then he recited a verse, little is the enjoyment of the life of this world as compared to the hereafter. So what does that tell you? He was the Amir al-Mu'minin of hadith. If you wanted to hear something that nobody else has heard, you turn, you turn to Abu Huraira, radiyallahu so now what does this mean? You do one good deed, you get a million good deeds. <laughs> you do one good deed, you get two million good deeds. So the scholars look at this report and the first simple answer is, it's up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you, for example, you might do exactly the same deed as another brother or sister, Allah ta'ala might give you, let's say, multiple 20, he might give him a million. It's Allah ta'ala's discretion. So this is one simple answer. Other scholars, they say, is to do with the sincerity of the deed. <laughs> the more sincere the deed, the more it multiplies. So one million is for those who are very sincere, and maybe two million are for those who are the utmost in sincerity. And they use a hadith to prove this. The Prophet said, those who are sincere, then Allah the Almighty will only want a few of their good deeds. 
This is in Anwar al-Bayan al-Targheeb. So what does that mean? If you are sincere, your few good deeds are enough for your scales to be heavy. So how is that possible? It means that them, those few good deeds have been multiplied millions. <laughs> have you understood? <laughs> so what did the Prophet say? Sincere. <laughs> so note the hadith, there's no contradiction. You know, two, ten, minimum ten, the Quran mentions. Allah Ta'ala graciously multiplies it by ten, by His generosity and kindness. But you should strive for more. How do you get more? Being more sincere. Doing it for only for the pleasure of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So note again, don't be one, two million for one good deed. No, Allah Hukbar, think about that. If it was in worldly terms, which, you know, no person would, would you know, waste a multiple of two million. He'll want to know exactly all the do's and don'ts which protects the two million. Why? Because it's money. You know, it's precious, money is precious. But when it comes to deeds, so what was the, I did it, you know? I did the good deed. At least I did it, right? And then that's the mentality. Think, oh, don't you want maximum returns? And also, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say in the Quran? الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ He created death and life to put you to the test and to find out which of you does the most beautiful deeds. أَحْسَنُ amala. It could easily have been said in the Quran, أَكْثَرُ amala. Those of you who do the most deeds. But Allah Ta'ala never mentions that. <laughs> Nowhere in the Quran you will see those of you who do more deeds. It's always those who do the pure deeds. Ahsanu amala wa amilus the pure deeds. Why is Allah Ta'ala stressing that? Because that is where you should put your energy. Right? In the, in the purity of the deeds. Subhanallah. Also, he, Uda, there's other great personalities who will also find narrations from Abu Hurairah strange. Another great personality was Qa'ab al-Ahbar. So Qa'ab al-Ahbar, rahmatullahi, he was a tabi. He's called Qa'ab, the monk or the rabbi. The reason was because he was a rabbi. He actually saw the Prophet, but he didn't embrace Islam in the time of the Prophet. Because obviously, you know, a lot of them have that in their heart. He embraced Islam in the time of Umr, radiyallahu. So this was a senior like Tabi'i because he saw the Prophet, you know, for want of a better word. So he also found certain narrations of Abu Huraira strange. For instance, in Sayyid Muslim, number 7496 in the chapter on Zuhd, Ahmed in his Muslim, number 7882, with a Sayyid chain of transmission, Sayyidina Abu Huraira, radiyallahu, he released the beloved message, said, sallallahu alayhi wa a tribe of the Bani Israel disappeared and it was not known what happened to them. But I, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, think they become or they became Fa'ar. They became Fa'ar, I mice. Have you not seen that if camel milk is put down for them, they do not drink it. However, if sheep milk is put down for them, they drink it. So stopping the report. So this is a direct hadith from Abu Huraira from the Prophet. So what did he say? A tribe of the Bani Israel, they just disappeared. Something happened to them. Nobody knew. The Prophet said, I think they became mice. They were punished. They were transformed to mice. Then he said, don't you see, if you put camel milk in front of it, they don't drink it. 
But if you put sheep milk in front of it, they drink. Why? Because camel was forbidden to them. Bani Yisrael. Abu Huraira continued, I related this hadith to Qa'ab, and he said in surprise, Anta sami'ta min Rasulullah, Did you hear this from Rasulullah? I said, Naam, yes. He thereupon repeated the question several times. Anta sami'ta min Rasulullah, Did you really hear this from Rasulullah? I finally replied, <laughs> Shall I need the Torah to convince you? <laughs> so notice humor, you know, he was a very humorous man, Allah. So why? Because it is a, you know, he said, hey, did the Prophet, what did the Prophet say? They changed to mice, okay, that seems feasible. But then what did he say? If you put camel milk in front of the mice, they don't drink. If you put sheep milk, they drink. So Ka'ab was a rabbi. He knew about the Bani Israel. So he just, you know, obviously he just thought, did you really hear that from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? He goes, yes. And Ka'ab's obviously trying to, you know, register it with his knowledge of the Torah. He goes, did you really hear that from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? He goes, yes. When he kept saying it, what, <laughs> what did Abu Hulayla finally say? Akra Torah, shall I recite Torah to you? Will I convince you? <laughs> Meaning, why are you questioning me? <laughs> And in a slightly different report, Abu Huraira had related that mice are a transformed race. Ka'ab thereupon said to him, Did you hear this from Rasulullah? For note, in this report, he did not attribute it to him. Abu Huraira thereupon said, Was the Torah revealed to me? This is in Sahih Muslim, number 7497, in the chapter on Zuhr. Ahmad in his Musnad, number 7750, with a Sahih channel transmission. So this is a different report. Slightly different. So in this report, Abu Huraira didn't relate back to the Prophet. He just said it in his own words. He goes, Al-fa'alato mask, mice are a transformed race. So Ka'ab, he questioned him. He goes, did you hear this from Rasulullah? Meaning I noted that you didn't relate it back to the Prophet. But did you hear this? Or is this something that you've come to your own understanding? So this time Abu Huraira said, Afa unzilat Torah. Was the Torah revealed to me? <laughs> and if you, if you look at these responses, you actually start laughing. But you notice his humor. You know, he look at people and think, you know, what's wrong with him? Oh, he's a rabbi. So he goes, yeah, uh, Torah, I've got Torah. That's where I got it from. So where do you think I got it from? You know, like you say, you know, you joke with somebody. Where did you think I got it from? Abu Rafi, he relates, rahmatullahi, Sayyidina Abu Huraira, radiyallahu, who met Ka'ab and began narrating to him and inquiring from him. Ka'ab thereupon said, by way of praise and amazement, I have not seen anyone who has not read the Torah having better knowledge of what is contained within it than Abu Hurairah. <laughs> this is in Abu Dawud At-Tayalasi and Hafiz Zahbi in his seer. So now look how interesting this is. Ka'ab al-Akhbar, he was an imam of the rabbi, uh, of the Jews. He knew the Torah you know, really well. He was a scholar. When he was questioning Abu Hurairah, this is how he ended up praising him. He says, I have not seen anyone who has not read the Torah. You know, meaning, I've seen people who've read the Torah, but I've not seen anyone who's not read the Torah 
having better knowledge what is contained within it than Abu Huraira. He goes, he's amazing. He goes, how is he getting this knowledge? He goes, if he had knowledge of the Torah, I understand. He goes, he's not read the Torah. So what does that tell you? Revelation is revelation. Whether it was revealed to Musa, والسلام, or the Prophet, it's the same. So Ka'ab was basically saying, you know, he's an amazing man. He goes, I can't believe that he's not read the Torah. You know, it's like he's quoting the Torah without even realizing. Now about these mice. So the Quran mentions that they were turned into despised apes. And, and also the Hadith mentions swine. So apes and swine are mentioned in the Quran and the authentic Hadith. Mice are also mentioned. Now what's interesting about all three? They, 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 why do they experiment on pigs and rats and mice? Because they say that their genetic code is very similar to the human being. So for example, they did a pig's heart transplant into the human being. Why did they choose a pig? Because, and it worked, you know, it actually worked. They cut out, you know, they, they do experiments on mice to find out whether certain medicines work. So why are they using those? Because look how interesting. Whether they're doing it with knowledge or without knowledge, they've chose those creatures which humans were punished and transformed into. So obviously we're not saying we don't believe in this evolution. But this was a punishment. So a human being was transformed into an ape. A human being was transformed into a, a pig. And a human being was transformed into a rat and a mouse. And science, what they little they've now learned, they notice because this is the mammals. Warm-blooded, right? Are we warm-blooded? Hey, look how interesting that is, right? So again, note how, again, proving again, he's Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa This also made me laugh. They go, oh, they found uh, homosexuality in nature. So they go, okay, where did you find it? Because you find it amongst pigs and monkeys. So why is that, you know, just amazing in our respect? Why? Because you've chose the two forms that Allah, Allah punished them into. And you found it amongst them. We don't find that strange at all. But that's not a proof that homosexuality is something that Allah, Allah you know, is, permit, is allowed because you have actually proved the Quran and Sunnah. Those are low life forms. So if you find it amongst them, are they your guides? You know, think about it. Why do you practice homosexuality? Because pigs and monkeys do it. So think about, no, think about, you know, they, they, it's actually a switch off. They've like the brain switched off. So you're following the sunnah of pigs and monkeys. Are they your, like, prophets? Astaghfirullah. <laughs> you found it. We found, what you found? Astaghfirullah. So look what they've, and the, from our perspective, subhanallah, proving again the Quran and sunnah. Now, will they find it amongst rats and mice? If they do, you know, Rasulullah. But note, if you look at the wording very carefully, the Prophet ﷺ, he wasn't 100% certain. I think they became far. I think they became mice. So we don't say it with absolute certainty. But if Rasulullah said it, that's good enough. But pigs and uh, monkeys, no doubt about it. And also what's interesting about monkeys, there's actually a report in Sayyid Bukhari where one of the companions saw some monkeys stoning a monkey. 
He thought, what the heck is going off here? And then he realized, I don't know how you worked here. He goes, he'd commit adultery. So the other monkey stoned him to death. <laughs> then I'm just, they that report, I thought. So they have got some uncle. And also there's another beautiful report about a monkey, to be fair to them. The hadith is in Imam Ahmad's Mustad. And there was a person, the Prophet I'm paraphrasing, the Prophet said that there's a person on a ship and he was basically ripping people off. You know, he's mixing something, I don't know what it was, right? You know, ripping people off. And then he was putting the money into his, like, you know, container. So the hadith says that a monkey was on the mast of the ship. He came down and he took his money, ran out of the mast with the money. And it started throwing one dirham onto the, onto the person and one into the ocean. And then the Prophet was mentioning this. Why? Because the monkey got offended. He goes, you, well, you're supposed to be the, you know, the, the peak of creation. You're ripping people off. So the monkey basically got rid of the haram from his money. Started throwing into the, into the sea. So monkeys are better than mashallah. Monkey business, right? But, so we shouldn't insult the monkeys. You know, they, mashallah, at last created them. Nature's hoovers. Pigs go around, you know, hoovering all the trakup. What are they doing? <laughs> Imagine anything. You know, so we don't insult pigs. We just said that you were transformed into them. And the reason I say that is because there's actually another report where Allah Ta'ala mentions they are lower than cattle. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala says about the unbelievers because they've got no, because they have less understanding than cattle. Why does Allah Ta'ala say that? Why? Because He doesn't want you to insult animals. <laughs> Meaning they're worse than animals. Asfala Safilin, the Quran says. So again, don't start, you know, thinking it's rewardable for me to kill pigs. It's rewardable for me to go and shoot monkeys. Where do you get that from? Astaghfirullah. Indeed, the people would also often be seen pestering this most noble man even during his many acts of worship. In Ahmad in his Musnad, number 9097, Sahih, Muhammad ibn Ja'far al-Makhzumi, a man met Sayyidina Abu Huraira as he was performing tawaf around the Kaaba and said, O Abu Huraira, Anta nahit al-nasa an sawmi yawm al-jumu'ati Are you the one who told people not to fast on Fridays? He responded, La, wa rabbi al-Kaaba wa lakinna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam naha anhu No, by the Lord of the Kaaba Rather, Rasulullah forbade it. So let's look at it. So this is a Sahih Hadith in Imam Ahmad in his Muslim. So he's doing Tawaf. Now think about it. Why don't you let him finish Tawaf? <laughs> you know, what he's doing is Ibadah. Let him finish. You know, don't you get, you know, irritated when somebody just stops you. Brother, brother, brother. Right? And you didn't go down. What would you want, brother? What time Salat? Right? Then you think... You, know, you get you know, so Abu Huraira noticed they just booked him. So he's doing a tawaf and he goes, Yeah, Abu Huraira, Anta Nahit and Nasa and Soma Yomil Juma. Are you the one who told people not to fast on Fridays? Now think about it. Couldn't you wait till he finished? Look at his response. Again, the humor. La wa Rabbi al-Kaaba. No, but the Lord of the Kaaba. What was he doing? Tawaf. So we swore an oath. What did he swear an oath? <laughs> you know, it goes over people's heads sometimes. He goes, no, by the Lord of the Kaaba. Walakinna Rasulullah naha'an. Rather, Rasulullah forbid it. 
So no, you know, they were going to him and they were giving him a bit of, he didn't mind. But you also notice that Allah gave him great forbearance. And with regards to the issue of fasting on Friday, I'll mention that tomorrow, because tomorrow's Friday, inshallah. So all again, I mentioned today was reports indicating the great uh, phenomenal nature of the memory of Sayyidina Abu Huraira. And notice whoever approached him was left astounded by his knowledge. Whether there were people who knew him, you know, briefly had a brief contact with them, or even his most noble students, they were blown away by his knowledge as well, including the great rabbis who embraced Islam. And then he questions you like سبحان بحمد سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك وفي الله من الشيطان سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون سبحان الله الحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل انسان في خصم الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات واصبحوا خير وصدق الله